0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men as always, I want to thank you for taking time and checking out today's show. Whether you're listening to this wherever you grab your podcast audio content or you're watching this on YouTube... I want to say welcome. If you would look in the show notes, you're going to see some links in there below the description of this podcast. A couple things I want to get to. One would be tribe. Tribe registration is open until Saturday, May 22nd. I know that seems so far off, but it's going to be here quickly. We get going in tribe towards the end of May, um, June 1st, we hit the ground running. So I want to encourage you to get involved and invested in that. We have a community of men that you need to connect with. And, um, It's incredible what God has done and is doing in that community. Uh, We have guys signing up every day for that. Um, Typically, we have not capped uh, tribe registration, but this this one I'm considering it. I'm not saying that as you know to try to get you in there. I'm telling you uh, because there does come a, 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 a point where it's critical mass to figure out okay how. How do we make sure that guys aren't overlooked? We're doing a couple things a little bit different in this session. I'm looking forward to coming up. Uh, The second thing I want to make sure you get to below that, you're going to see a link for Point Man, that Point Man resource. The newest one was released, I think that was Thursday, uh, Point Man, uh, the Book of Acts. That's pretty cool. As you can take your family through the Book of Acts, a a handful of verses at a time. There's so much in there. Uh, I'm looking at a stack here right now. I think there's five Point Man Book of Acts and one Point Man Gospel of Mark that are being shipped out today. So thank you men um, who have purchased that. But beyond that, thank you men who are leading within your home. We say it all the time that it's really difficult to lead someone on a journey where someone has not shown you the path. What you're doing is you're showing your family the path to spiritual leadership. Uh, In our home right now, we have a high school daughter. We have a junior high daughter. We have an elementary son. Um, I'm married, so we got five people in different seasons, different schedules, different rhythms, but we can come together for seven to 10 minutes a night, go through some scripture. And, um, man, it's, it's one of the best investments we can make within our home. Uh, I want to get into this right now. I want to share a couple verses when we get into unpacking this idea of, of four guys, every man needs in his life. I wanted to say five guys, um, because two reasons. One, I think Jesus is the first one, but I, I think, you know, we'll get Jesus in, in, in all this anyway. So, and number two, I really like Five Guys burgers and fries. I don't know if it's a restaurant or not, but um, it's the best. You know what you're go- you're getting when you go there. Like you can't go wrong with that. So, uh, I want to share a couple verses. One is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This is a guy named Solomon writing. This he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. This is Solomon. He had more than anything of anybody ever, whether it was wisdom, whether it was relationships, whether it was stuff, whether it was houses, uh, influence, authority, whatever he had it all. Right. Um, so whatever we're chasing, whatever we would like to get, whatever we'd like to accomplish, um, been kind of praying through that God, I, you know, I need some goals in my life. I feel Like I'm, I'm doing good things, but there's no, uh, mile markers to hit right now in this season. So, um, Solomon had them all. He had it all. Whatever it was, he already had it. And I like this one, Proverbs seventeen seventeen: 17. Uh, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. For adversity. You will go through adversity Um different seasons, different storms in life. You will go through stuff. And again, it might be it might be something small. It might be that your your car broke down or it might be that your wife said she's leaving you. It might be that you got fired from your job or it might be, you know, you, you lost a child. It might be that you have to move or you know what? You're you're leaving your church. Whatever. Every season, every storm looks different, but there is adversity in our life and we need to have people in our life. And if you don't have them in your life now and you're waiting until you have some adversity Um, that's going to come up on them like, like a hurricane. And they're not really sure how to respond to that. Okay. So let's build these relationships now while we are considering it so that when we get to that point, um, they're already there and listen, and you can be that for somebody else. And I say this to guys, men all the time, how you respond to adversity, how you respond to the bumps in the road and the punches in the teeth and all the things that you're going to go through. Um, it's going to hurt. It, it hurts, and it's tough, but I want to promise you this. You're going to be a resource for another man at some point if you lean into Jesus and you lean into the power of community because if you don't, what kind of counsel could you possibly give someone? You could say, well, what did I do? Oh, man, I just folded. I just stayed home all the time. I didn't talk to anybody. I deleted all my social media accounts. I just removed myself from everything. Oh, thanks, man. That's no help at all. Yeah, I know. It didn't help me either. Don't do that. Like You have an opportunity to not do that. Um, Some of you guys have seen, I have a stocking cap that I wear quite a bit uh, because it's really warm, but um, it says lone wolf. And my wife's like, yeah, that's you. You You're a lone wolf. That is my mentality. I am typically, like many of you guys, I just think I can go at this alone. I prefer that. That just works better for me. But I'm smart enough to know as a lone wolf that I need to be connected to the pack. Like I need a pack of people. I need my people, and for me, in a lot of ways, tribe is those people. I have other people outside of tribe, but that that has been a, a good group that I can you know kind of access or communicate with at all time. Um, yes, they're real life people. Some of them I see all the time. Some of them I see sporadically. Some of them I've never seen. Um, I think one of them is going to stop by the house today. They're coming through town for a reason uh, for something and uh, on vacation or something and they're going to come by here. So yeah, there's real relationships there, but there's relationships outside of tribe as well. So uh, I'm going to walk through a list here that I think is critical. And I want you to consider this because Satan loves it when we try to go at it as a lone wolf. When we try to go at it one-on-one, he will destroy us. He will ruin us, right? And uh, we need other people in our lives for a lot of reasons, One, Jesus said in in John chapter 10, verse 10, I will give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. We have abundant life in Christ. It doesn't mean some Joel Osteen jazz that you just get more stuff and more wealth and God just wants you to be rich, happy, and well-fed. No, what he means is a, a fulfilled life. And look at Saul's life. Look at, he, you know, Saul to Paul, and then his friends turned on him. He's beaten. I mean, he's shipwrecked. I mean, he's going through all this stuff. And I would say, at the end of Paul's life, he would say it was an abundant life because of Jesus, because of the people. When he had Epaphroditus, when he had Timothy, when he had these other people in his life, um, highly valued those relationships, and he understood all the things that we're about to talk about right here. Um, and it also it gives you an accurate picture of what biblical manhood looks like. Because we all think we're good. We either, we either think we're good or we think we are a miserable human being and we've squandered all the years on this planet. Neither one of those are accurate. You're somewhere probably in the middle. You're better than probably what you used to be. That's sanctification. And you're not as good as you think you are. And we get around other guys and they can speak truth to us. They can help us understand service. They can help us understand prayer. They can help us understand, you know, adversity. They can help us understand being steadfast. But if you don't engage with them, as we say all the time, you don't engage, you don't, you don't grow. You sit on the side eating your 50 cent popcorn, watching the game, and you just sit there. What a miserable existence. We want to lean into that, right? Think about that. Think about the people in your life who've made an impact on you, the positive ones. Let's go with positive. Maybe it's coaches. Maybe it was a, a drill instructor. I mean, you're like, that wasn't positive. Yeah, they told me when to get up, when to go to bed. When to... There were disciplines t- in, taught in your life, right? Maybe you were in a fraternity. Maybe you were in a um, you know a, a great team environment. I've been on part of some teams where you walk into the, the the lead meeting where the lead guy's there, and you're like, shut up, get out your pen, get out your paper. I've walked in some meetings where I thought this is going to be an utter waste of time. You just know it. For my whole life up till high school and then a little bit into college, I played athletics, so I constantly had a coach instructing me on skills or details or you know, you know, being proactive. Or uh, I'll never forget the, the lessons on peripheral vision in basketball. Um, you know, all these different things, and so I learned all these things. And then when you get out of that, you're like, well, now what? I felt that when I went back to school, uh, I'm so thankful for First Christian Church in Salem, Illinois. Great church, great people. Some of the best people on the planet live in that town. And that church, uh, when we came on staff, I didn't have my degree, and they said we will we'll pay for your degree. Um, we made no money there. I mean, we're just we just have no money, and uh, so them paying for my degree was huge. I'm forever indebted to that place. The further I get from that, the the, the more of a realization I I understand of an investment made in me. Uh, A church, or forgive me, a camp in Tennessee, Illinois. I, I went there. I was on staff there one summer. My wife and I both, when we first got married, I'd never been to church camp. But that camp director... Saw something in me that he wanted me on his staff. I'm not sure what it was. I learned work ethic and I learned when he rolled up on a golf cart, you better be ready to work and do something. But I got around other people preaching Jesus and teaching Jesus and serving Jesus and they were normal and they were healthy. And you're like, that's priceless. That is priceless to shaping your view of what we're doing while we're here on this planet. Uh, it, it it It's just critical that we get around people that will make us better, but not always in the ways that we anticipate. I've said before, one of the best things that ever happened to me one time is I spoke at an elementary school, had the, I was the children's pastor in town and uh, the, all the kids were fired up and, and, and they they walked down and the teachers, they're all, the kids were high-fiving me, you know, of course, I think they always had to do that, but still, it's good for your ego. And, um, you know, I, I I had one of our elders in the church. It was my first ministry. Uh, he was there because his kids go to that school. And as I was walking out, he just kind of grabbed my elbow and said, hang on a second. He says, here's what you thought you did. Yeah, I was there. I saw it. Did you see all those kids? Did you see the laughing and the high-fiving? and the, Did you see that? But he's So we had this, and he said, but here's what you actually did. Man, I didn't like that at all in the moment. I walked to the car and I thought, that guy clearly did not see what happened. That guy did not understand that that's my role to do this, this, and how I do this, and that's my style, and that's this. And you know what? That was the greatest piece of advice that I got probably in that time of ministry there. I'll never forget it. I have reached out to him probably two or three times through the years and said, thank you for doing that because that changed the way that I see myself or see people when I communicate. I didn't know that. Had he not said that, and I didn't want to hear it, who knows? <laughs> who knows? So here's the four. Uh, again, I'll say Jesus is one, but he should be in there anyways. And one, you need an authority figure in your life. This is someone who you that you provide accountability to. This authority figure. People say, "Well, my authority figure is God." I don't disagree with that. However, the way that we talk to and about authority figures here on this earth is very indicative to our relationship with God. Whether you like the president that was in office or is in office, or maybe you're one that's down the middle. You're just a contrarian. We're not dealing with you right now. But whether you're whatever side of the fence you're on with that, how you speak about them does matter. How you speak about authority in your life, whether it's local level, state level, whatever. And I'm not talking about just politics. Nowadays, when a kid gets in trouble at school, the parents automatically assume it's the teacher's fault. Kids not playing on the sports team must be the coach's fault. No, your kid stinks. They can't tell you that because that hurts your feelings. That hurt the kid's feelings. Your kid, he can't read. Well, that hurts my feelings. I'm sorry, I guess. So you have to understand authority. We have to teach our kids authority. We don't respect authority right now. We don't, want to, we don't like authority. It's always the authority's fault. What do you think God's trying to teach us through that? Maybe it's not as much the authority's fault all the time as you like to think it is. Sometimes it's our fault. So the way that we respond to, respect, pray for, etc., authority... Is very closely connected to the way that we see God the Father. Because oftentimes most men would just assume God's good with whatever we're doing. I don't commit any of the big ones and I just sin and I try to get over and do better tomorrow and I'll shake the dust and get up and yep, yeah, there's some of that. But God does care about every detail of our life. So if you go if you're speeding, you're going one mile over the speed limit, you get pulled over, guess what? You're breaking the law. Well, he didn't have to doesn't matter. If, you're, if the teacher says, you know what, this is what your kid's grade is, you go, oh, come on. That doesn't matter. If your taxes say this is what you owe and you don't like it, doesn't it doesn't matter. We have to understand we need authority in our life. It's good for us. It's a good reminder we're not in charge. We're not in charge. Number two, you need like a mentor... Counselor, And I'm going to use this term loosely. I'm talking from a free standpoint. I know there's people that do this for, they pay, you pay them. I'm sure they do a great job. I'm talking about you need someone in your life who is still authority over you on some level, but not as much as you're reporting to them. What I mean is you're learning from this individual. Sometimes those mentors, counselors are very close to you and sometimes they're far away. Some of the best people that I feel like have poured into my life don't even know that I exist on this planet whether it was a, a you know a pastor, someone that was an author or whatever, and you learn from them and you read about th- their life or what they've learned, et cetera. And I'm not trying to copy their life because that ain't going to work because then you become a counterfeit version of yourself. What you do is you learn about disciplines and you learn about their spiritual imprint they've made on people's lives. You think about um, the kingdom legacy that they're leaving for this planet and you say, okay, I want that. Because if, if you want the coaching idea, if you want that person who you do pay and that you do report to, what you tend to do is you tend to treat them as almost like a daycare provider. So anytime something bad happens in your life, you go tell on the bad the people who did bad things, you tell on to them, and they can't fix it. They can't do it for you. They can't make you stop looking at porn. They can't make you stop drinking. They can't make you stop being a crappy dad. They can't make you pursue your what. They can't do that. But they can tell you the truth. And they say, here's what I know. I remember someone once saying, I just feel like, you know, God wants me to have a Christian wife. And I said, I think the woman you're sleeping next to is your Christian wife. It's going to take a lot of work. Someday she'll be your Christian wife. Did they listen to your advice? Nope. Okay. So. You need to understand that this person has got a little bit a few more miles down the road than you do. It doesn't mean they're always right, but if you go to them with your life, you should at least listen to their response. Unless you're just looking for affirmation and go, "Yes, you're doing a good job. You're you're a good boy." If that's the case, then go to your mom. Just go to someone like that. Go to your third grade teacher from 30 years ago. Go to them if you just want someone to pat you on the head and say you're doing a good job. But if you want the truth, this is where this person comes in. They're not always going to say things the way that you want them to be said. And they may not always agree with your next great idea. And they may not always give you the keys to the car or tell you, you know what, you're the sharpest tool in the shed. They may not, but they might. So you need someone that can tell you, Here's some things I've learned. And let me tell you, man, I've learned some of these the hard way. And I hope, I hope that you, you get this figured out. I've been blessed to have some staff members through the years that I've been able to hire through the years. Some of those staff members, I've done a better job of mentoring than others. One of the things that I try to say to staff members is I hope that whether you're here forever or in 10, 15 years from now, you're way ahead of where I'm at right now. You're way ahead of me. Because hopefully you'll learn some things from me, but hopefully you, you learn them at a quicker speed than I did. I want them to be better than me. I want them to be more impactful than I am. Why on earth would I try to keep them under me or I don't let them lead or I don't let them do? No, I want that. I'm going to provide guardrails and I'm going to speak truth in their life. And I got to be honest. They like that, like the guy that pulled me by the side, by the elbow, rarely have they enjoyed it in the moment, but that's okay. I owe that to them. One of the keys to these relationships that you're going to find outside of authority, but these next three, counting mentor, counselor here is, you want someone that you know is for you and with you. As a pastor, sometimes I have to say things, oftentimes I have to say things that people don't like, because I feel like I owe them the truth. Now, I say it to each person a little bit different, depending on the relationship, if there is one there or not one there. If it's a good relationship or it's broken, I say it differently. But that doesn't mean they're going to listen to what I have to say. What happens a lot of times as a pastor is if you tell someone a hard truth, or you do something that they don't want you to do, or you don't do something that they want you to do, one of two things typically happens. They're not always, but these are the two things I've found the most. Either one, they stop talking to you and your family. It's really unique, but your family now is bad too because um, he's bad. Fair enough. Or they go to another church and they find what will tickle their ears, one or the other. So it's a unique position to be in, but you know what? You just own the truth. So I'm going to roll with the truth as much as possible. Number three, you need to find a friend. You need to find someone that can correct you, a friend. Not You're not talking about a frat friend. You're not talking about a work buddy. You're not talking about some jack wagon that actually is hurting you more than helping you. I'm talking about a real friend, a real someone who can speak some truth into your life and your in a similar season. um, You don't have to be best friends all the time, but someone that you can share something with that you maybe you're not sure where to share with anybody else. Um, Someone that you can call up or text and go, get this. So where I serve, I know this may be a shocker to you, where I serve, not everything goes well. Not everything is going the way that I think it should go. Not every meeting, not every member, not every situation goes the way that I think it should go. And from my perspective, it's going to be different than the people who are members, attenders, and leaders of the church. And since I have a tribe, there has been since day one of tribe, one to four or five guys from our church in tribe, depending on the, maybe five is a little high, but there's been a few, one to a few. So I'm not going to go into tribe and get this, right? No, but I have friends in ministry. I have good friends that we can get on the phone. We can have conversations with. We can, yep. You have to have those people in your life. That person is not going to pile on and make the problem worse. What that person's probably going to do is listen. They're going to laugh. They're going to understand. And then they're going to get you back on track. If you have someone who's dumping gasoline on the fire while you're dumping kerosene on the fire, you're both miserable. You're both miserable, right? You're cynical. You're bitter. You're jaded. No, but I I have some people that I can I can phone up. I can get in their ear. They can do it to me. They do it to me too. And we I listen to them. So when they phone up, I go okay. I'm I'm on the listening in. When I phone up, they're on the listening in. And we go back and forth. We joke back and forth. We can text things to etc. The fourth one is this: you need to have someone in your life that you are discipling. Someone that we're pouring our life into. I'm going to talk more about this on Friday, but we're pouring our life into someone else. We're pouring our life into somebody else. If our life is just about us and what we take in and our problems and our issues and our marriage, it's all about me. My world's going to get very small and it's very fragile because the only people I will let into my world are people that will allow me to make it all about me. Your world has to be about someone else. You say, Well, I got my wife and kids. It's got to get beyond your address. Jesus said, Go into all the world to make disciples. There are men who can't get it to their address, but it's got to get beyond that. Well, at, at work, I'm um, at, at this. I, I'm, is there someone that you're devoting time to outside of your normal rhythm, outside of your commute? outside of your dinner time, outside, that you're pouring your life into? For most guys, not all but for most guys, the answer is no. Therefore, their world becomes about them and their, their little holy huddle there. It has to be about someone else. You have to have someone in your life that you're pouring into. If not, your world is small and it's fragile and it's very self-centered. And anybody who says something to you or to your wife or to your kids that you don't like, you just you just tighten that that wall up a little bit tighter and now they're out too who are you pouring your life into who are you discipling who are you helping get to jesus some guys go i don't know what to do just get him to jesus go through a gospel i got a guy that we meet at five guys we're going through the gospel of john at five guys there's an incentive to show up because we're going to eat well we're going to have great conversation it's not complicated we both win we walk out we all win it's good for here's the list again. You need an authority figure. You need a mentor of some sorts. Again, this person could be from a distance or someone close. I think close is better, but a distance could be good too. You need a friend, someone that can correct you, someone that will speak true to you and keep you on path, someone who makes your marriage better, who makes you a better father, who makes you a better Christian, right? You need that, and you need someone that you're discipling, right? Listen, there is no microwave solution to fulfilling these roles except to pursue them and pray for them pursue these relationships and pray for these relationships. God, I don't have this type of relationship in my life. And I know that I need it. Listen, God wants it more for you than you want for you. And if you pray about it, God will make it obvious in your life. I believe there are opportunities in front of all of us right now to pursue strong, biblically grounded relationships. Most men will find it very difficult to have these four relationships in their life because, if we're honest, we do not pursue relationships well. We just don't. Whether it's an insecurity, whether it's a past hurt, whether it is, you know, just we just believe our own excuses, apathy, whatever. But I want you to be on the lookout for people that can fulfill this role, right? I'll tell you this. I can certainly be my own worst enemy when it comes to relationships. That lone wolf says, I'm good. I'm tired. People are driving me crazy. But left alone, we will find ourselves in plenty of predicaments that will put us exactly where Satan wants us to be. And you know it. You know it. When, you, when you're not on this journey of life with anyone, or when it's very duct taped, kind of hodgepodge, and you just believe the lie that I just work so much. I've heard some of you guys say, well, I work. We, we all do, hopefully. You have to pursue these relationships. That's why everything in Pursuit of manliness is about building better men together. One more round. It's about, that's why it's on, like, that's why it's digital. and all. You can do it in person. You can do it from a distance if you're Zooming it, whatever you're doing. Uh, Point Man, it's about getting you with people. And I know people who are doing Point Man with their kids who are off to college. They're doing it on Zoom. They get to see them every night or whenever they're doing this, and they get to talk Jesus from miles away. Tribe, we're talking guys from time zones away, sometimes countries away. It's all about getting us around other people. We have to figure this out. But if we're honest, many times we are content with being alone. We just tell ourselves we don't have time for these relationships, anyways. But you need them; they're essential. They're so critical in your life. But only you can move on that. God can place a million people in your life and you go, nah, no. Some guys listen to this right now will never move on that. And some guys listen to this right now. If you're like me, you're going, who else do I need to add to my life? Who else do I need to make sure I get in my life? Because... I need to surround myself with a calvary of men who are high caliber, high character, who are going to help me get to Jesus because there are people in my life who depend on me to get this right that I need to help get to Jesus. Amen? Get connected to the pursuit of manliness. Everything we do is to help you get around other people so that you can invest in other people on the other side of your walls. So, men, I want to appreciate you all listening. Make sure you check that out. Point Man, the book of Acts. We also have the Gospel of Mark. Um... Tribe, Tribe is open right now. I'm telling you right now, that will be one of the best communities you can ever be a part of. I can't convince you to do it. You have to. You have to say I need it. But I'm telling you right now, if you lean into that community, you will make strong, godly, godly relationships. Godly relationships of men who will build you up. They'll joke with you. They'll mess with you. You mess with them. We have a good time. But I'm telling you right now, when when the six month journey, if you engage, you will grow make sure you click subscribe if you would share this show with guys that you know need to hear it and then let's keep pursuing biblical manliness